Hey, welcome to the Danny Abel podcast, where I help you connect the dots between mindset, metabolism, nutrition, and fitness to help you easily understand complex health and wellness concepts. I'm thrilled you're here to listen to what I have to share. So let's dive right in. Well, welcome to episode number three. We are talking all things macros plus more today. I'm going to be sharing with you why macros are only part of the health and wellness puzzle. So we're going to be talking about what the heck are macros if macros are new to you. I'm going to be talking about periodized nutrition and how to apply that to macros. I'm also going to be going over integrative and functional nutrition concepts that relate to macros. And then I'm going to be diving deep into why fitness, lifestyle, and behavior matters just as much when it comes to macros. All right, macros. It's short for macronutrients. There are four macronutrients. Technically, I'm going to give you a fifth one as a bonus. Number one is protein. And the equivalent for that for calories is going to be that for every four calories, you're going to have one gram of protein. For carbs, same thing. So four calories for every one gram. And then as far as fats go, nine calories for every one gram. And then we have alcohol. So alcohol is not technically one of the main macronutrients, but it contains calories. So this is one that a lot of people miss or they don't know how to track it properly. And essentially what you need to do for this one is you need to assign seven calories for every one gram. However, however, this is the big catch here. If you're using a macro tracker, it's not going to have alcohol calories in there. So you have to convert them to carbs or fats and track it that way so that you're including those in your total calorie budget for the day. All right, and then the fifth one is gonna be a bonus, and this is gonna be fiber. So technically it's a carb, but fiber is much less calorically dense. So on average, there are one to three calories for every one gram of fiber. So this is why I'm constantly always harping to my clients, like get your fiber up, get your fiber up, get your fiber up. It's a way that we can indirectly impact calorie intake. And it really helps to stay, it helps to stay full as well. And then as far as calories, so just know that all macros have calories. So you can count calories without counting macros, but you can't count macros without counting calories, if that makes sense. And then once you understand what macros are, you have to know where to set your macros initially and then how to adjust your macros. All right, so adjustments are just titrations. Titration is a fancy word for going up, going down, or staying the same based upon the phase of periodized nutrition that you're currently in. All right, so when I talk about periodized nutrition, what I'm talking about is having different phases of nutrition over the course of a year. The five phases of periodized nutrition are a deficit phase, this is also known as a dieting phase, a diet break, which is where you go to maintenance in the middle of a dieting phase, another deficit or a diet phase. So you can have two of those over the course of one year. 
a reverse phase, and a maintenance or a bulking phase. So you can see that calorie and macro goals are going to be different based upon the phase of nutrition that you're in. So why do we need phases? Because most people don't understand how much to eat or what to eat. So the phases themselves provide a framework for you to be able to follow. When I'm talking with clients, I really want them to understand that it's not just about the macros. It's not just about the calories. Really, we need to also look at things like their nutrition habits. So when I talk about habits, like I'm talking, are you having mostly meals? So are you building a meal, a balanced plate with a protein, a fiber, a carb, and a fat? Or are you just like snacking all day? Like you could be hitting your calories and macros snacking all day, but it's probably going to be harder to stay within those ranges because you're not building a balanced plate that is going to allow you to stay full for a longer period of time. Another habit that I see is not planning out meals, kind of just looking at your numbers and then trying to like play macro Tetris, if you will, and trying to figure out what to eat. So a really good habit to get into is pre-tracking or pre-logging, which is looking at your day, figuring out what do you have a plan for, for the day and pre-tracking what you can. It doesn't have to be the entire day, but it should be a larger portion of it so that you can stay within your targets. We also need to look at food quality and micronutrient intake. So this kind of goes hand in hand with fiber. If you're eating a mostly processed based diet, then you're not getting as high of food quality, if you will, and you're certainly not going to be getting a high micronutrient intake with those foods. And it's mostly just because the way that food is manufactured and processed, it ends up losing a lot of the fiber components and it ends up losing some of the vitamins and minerals from when you compare it to like a whole based food. Now, there's absolutely room in your calorie budget to have fun foods. Like I always recommend the 80-20 rule, 80% of your foods should come from whole sources to optimize fiber and to optimize micronutrient intake. And 20% can come from fun foods, you know, whether that be having a cookie, having the cupcake, having pizza on a Saturday night, whatever it is, but having moderation there. And then another one is going to be segmenting calories and macros. This one in particular can be really helpful if you are someone who has insulin resistance. So let me unpack what that is. So insulin resistance is where your body doesn't necessarily have the ability to shuttle energy into the cells of the body in an efficient way, because the cells themselves are kind of, they're already full, if you will. So insulin is the key that unlocks the cell in order for glucose to come across into the cell and to be utilized Now, this isn't its most basic form. There's a lot of nuance related to bioenergetics, but essentially insulin can't open up the cell because the cell is already full of substrates. This could be 
glucose. It could be glycogen in the form of many molecules of glucose. It could also be fatty acids. So when you're insulin resistant, you want to be really mindful of trying to optimize intake to optimize insulin. Okay, so let me break down what that might look like. It's going to look something like making sure that you don't have huge intakes followed by very low intakes. So essentially, this is like having a really high calorie intake at one point in time, and then a really low calorie intake at another point in time in your day. And this isn't the end of the world. Now, it really does come down to energy balance and calories in and calories out. But what we have to realize is that hormones are affected by that. So insulin is a hormone. And we want to essentially try to make insulin as efficient as possible. So we can be more efficient by having more equilibrium, like essentially balancing your calories and macros, like segmenting them more equally across the course of your day. And as a result, cognitively, you're going to feel better from an energetic perspective because you're not going to have like these huge increases followed by huge lows in energy, aka calorie intake. And then another one is going to be fiber types. So oftentimes, when I talk to clients or even just when I'm talking with individuals who are interested in help, they'll talk about like digestive issues. And this is a very, very common problem, especially for individuals who have been under eating or dieting for a long period of time, because essentially the digestive tract just does not work as well as it should be because it doesn't have adequate fuel. It's like putting like very low grade gas in your car or even like just like barely filling it up and then it's not as efficient if that makes sense. So there's two different types of fiber. There's going to be soluble based fibers and there's going to be insoluble based fibers. So one of the easiest things that you can do if you're struggling with bloating or digestion from a very basic level is going to be looking at your fibers to determine are you having mostly soluble based fibers? Or are you having mostly insoluble-based fibers? Or maybe you're having a healthy mix of both. So soluble fiber is going to speed digestion. It's going to help the food move through the gut quicker. But the problem is, is if you're defaulting to soluble fibers more often than not, you're probably going to end up with some loose stools, maybe even diarrhea. And then from an insoluble fiber perspective, this slows digestion. So if you're having loose stools, if you're having diarrhea, then including some insoluble-based fibers can really help to slow digestion down. And then on the flip side of that, if you're somebody where you're having a lot of fiber, but you're noticing that you're very constipated or just not being able to go to the bathroom as often as you would like, then what could be helpful for you is to increase your soluble fiber because that's going to help speed digestion. And then last here is going to be nutrient timing. And that's going to be things like your pre-workout nutrition. That's going to be things like peri-workout nutrition and post-workout nutrition. So essentially all I'm saying there is like, what are you eating before you work out? Are you eating or drinking anything during your workout? 
And then what are you having afterwards? Nutrient timing is also going to matter. And some examples of that might be having some carbs, small amount of protein and a small amount of fats prior to a resistance training session can be really helpful because those carbs are going to be readily available versus fasted training. You certainly can do it, but the literature says that essentially there's no inert benefit to either one and essentially kind of the same thing happens. So you're either like burning through stored glycogen for the session or you're burning through available glucose for the session. And it essentially it equates to a net, you know, balance. Like you're not gaining or losing anything. I will tell you from personal experience that having some carbs on board and even having some carbs intra-workout or peri-workout, like essentially while you're working out, can really, really help. And then last but not least is going to be post-workout nutrition. And that's going to be things like making sure that you're having a balanced meal after your training session. That includes protein fiber, carbs, and fats to recover adequately from that session. All right. So why is all of this important? Okay. So we've talked a lot about macros. So you know the gist on macros now. I mean, that's really just the beginning, but (laughs) you know where I'm going with this. Okay. So here's the deal. Macros are not meant just for dieting. And if your macros are out of whack, (laughs) it's going to make training and it's going to make lifestyle really hard. And you're going to eventually feel like trash. And I don't want you, I don't want you to, I don't want you to feel like that. So number one, eating below your maintenance level of calories. This is also known as dieting. It's also known as being in a deficit for too long. Essentially maintenance calories are the number of calories that are needed to create enough energy for adequate metabolism, which is going to be psychological functioning, brain functioning, nervous system functioning, physiological functioning, like this is all your organs and your tissues, and then your physical component of metabolism, which is going to be just allowing you to get up and move, like whether that be intentional exercise or non-intentional exercise. All right. Too much cardio. I see this a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So what you need to know about cardio is that it is extremely stressful on the brain and on the body, especially if you're not eating enough calories. So when I'm talking about cardio, this can be anything like running. It could be swimming. It could be spinning. It could be biking. It could be hit class. It could be elliptical. There's going to be high intensity cardio, there's going to be moderate intensity cardio, and there's going to be low intensity cardio. Low intensity cardio is going to be the best because it's not taxing. It doesn't cause extreme fatigue on the central nervous system. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a time and a place for cardio, but cardio is for endurance-based purposes. So if your goal is fat loss, You need to be spending more time training to build muscle that will eventually take up space and replace fat and walking. So training and walking to increase daily steps. See, walking is endurance-based. Endurance-based activity is fueled by fat. So when you walk more, 
you burn more fat and you protect your metabolism and your central nervous system from fatigue because it's not as stressful on the body as high intensity and moderate intensity cardio is. So what I really want you to take away here is that there's a time and a place for cardio. If you feel like you don't have the time to increase your steps, then it might be appropriate for you to have one higher intensity session per week. But the majority of your exercise should not be high intensity across the course of the week or even months and months and months because eventually your systemic fatigue, essentially the fatigue on your entire brain and your body will be so high and that will downregulate, that will slow your metabolism. All right, and then... The third one is going to be poor sleep hygiene and unmanaged stress. Like, I know this is boring. This is the really boring stuff that I oftentimes talk about, but it's so meaningful. So in particular, establishing a bedtime routine can be so helpful. So I'm talking like using downtime. When does your screen time stop? Setting yourself up for success for the next day, aka planning ahead, setting out your clothes if, you're, if you plan to work out in the morning, figuring out what are you going to have for breakfast, what are you going to have for lunch, do you have a plan for dinner tomorrow? If you have the time, you can plan ahead for the week ahead. However, I feel like that is sometimes a little bit too much. Like It's even like a little bit too much for me, and I feel like I have pretty good habits and routines at this point. So really just like looking ahead 24 hours can be really helpful and it's not as overwhelming as trying to like prepare a week in advance. Now, when it comes to stress, we've got two things happening when it comes to stress. So emotional stress can influence stress on the body and inflammation on the body. So A lot of times people don't really recognize this, like a really high stress job, personal stress, career stress. When you combine that with the stressors from dieting all the time or under eating all the time, combine that with high fatigue cardio. It's just, it's a recipe for disaster and it's a recipe for a slow metabolism. It's a recipe for weight gain and it's a recipe for... (laughs) like crash and burn syndrome, essentially, because you'll get to the point where it's like, it's too hard. It's too hard to maintain. So what I like to give to my clients as goals is identifying one emotional outlet for stress management and one physical outlet. So an example for both of those, an emotional outlet might be reading a book. It might be listening to a podcast A physical output could be, maybe it's training, maybe it's going for a walk, Um, you know, maybe it's yoga, something like that. Like having one of each can be really helpful because there's going to be times when stress happens and like you don't want to read the book. You know, there's going to be times where you don't want to train, but you could do something else to be able to manage the stress. All right, so how do we actually do this? 
So how I do this with my clients is I have an intake process. So we're going to be looking at tracking and analyzing where their current calories, macros, fiber, water, and alcohol are. Um, I specifically have alcohol on my tracking because it can definitely influence how successful you are with calories and macros because alcohol is essentially like non-nutritive. It does not contain like any helpful either macro or micronutrients for our body. It, it is what it is, but we do have to be really mindful of it. And it's not that you can't have them, but we need to identify like some parameters and we like, we need to set some moderation around them. Um, tracking and analyzing movement. So like how many sessions of cardio are you doing per week? Uh, what type of cardio, that kind of a thing. Um, number two, how many training sessions are you do, doing per week? Um, what do they look like? What do you, what is the intensity like? Um, and then how many steps do you get on average? And you can do this too. Like you can even just like write this down on a piece of paper. Okay. And then one of the other things that can be really helpful when it comes to macros is looking at the perspectives. So <clears throat> how I want to break this down for you is thoughts, feelings, and moments when you feel like macros are hard. <laughs> so <clears throat> a lot of people are like, macros are too hard. I can't stick with them. I don't know. Like when it starts feeling hard, like what do I do? Instead of going into like fuck it mode, how can I better understand what's going on so that I can actually stick with macros? I'm telling you that thinking ahead is key. Like don't just think that if you don't plan, like I'm just going to eat less. Like that's not an adequate strategy. Um, and it's also not like moving more. <laughs> like if you fall off track with your macros, it's literally just getting back on track. And then also like looking at the feelings that come with that. So like when you go into that space, when you feel ashamed because you overate, or maybe it's your cycle, your week of your cycle, and it's hard to control carbs. It's important that you know that there is a physiologic reason for why that's happening. It's an increase in progesterone during the second half of your phase of your cycle, which is the luteal phase. And it's literally an evolutionary protective mechanism to help you to retain nutrients in case you were to get pregnant. And so a lot of times people are just like, what is happening to me? And when you, when you actually understand, it makes more sense and you can kind of navigate that and realize and give yourself some grace instead of just like, you know, going into like a binge restrict mode. All right. And then last but not least is really just those moments. Like think about those moments when things like this have happened. What do you do? What is your behavior like? Like, what do you do? Usually I see one of two things. One, people go to absolute extremes, like trying to like out exercise their nutrition when they fall off track with macros, or they go into complete fuck it mode and totally just don't do anything. And then it's like, it's so hard to get back on the wagon because it's like, well, I've already fallen off. Like, what's the point? It doesn't have to be like that. Um, another one is like tanking calories. Don't do that. <laughs> Just go back to your normal way of eating and get back on track when you can. All right, so let's talk about my approach with this. So I've kind of already unpacked that, but essentially I really, I really want you to see that 
for everything that I talk about, probably like until eternity on this podcast, I'm always going to be framing it under three main pillars. One is your perspectives. So I kind of was just talking about this with like the thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. What are you doing as a result of those things? Or what are you not doing? The second one is going to be your physiology, your current physiology, like your brain and body functioning. Where is it at right now? And then where does it need to be in order to get to your goal? And then the third one is going to be your physique. So like all of these things are connected. So even though you don't really, if you don't like your physique currently, you have to recognize that it's not just a matter of like eating less, moving more, tanking macros, not understanding where your macros should be at, or just trying to like Google it. (laughs) There's an actual strategy behind all of this. Periodized nutrition, periodized training. All right. So to summarize and take things away, we went over what the heck are macros? What is periodized nutrition? Integrative and functional nutrition concepts. And then diving deeper into movement, fitness, lifestyle, behavior change, and why that matters just as much as your macros. So that wraps up episode three. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this one and that it helps you to get a little farther ahead. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Danny Abel podcast. If you're enjoying the show and you haven't already, consider subscribing and leaving me a five-star review. If you love the episode, screenshot it, share it to your story, and tag me. And lastly, if you have any questions, send me a DM and I'll see if I can help. Thanks again for listening. Take care.